Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Of the Magli Nefesh Center for Halakha and Mental Health, author of several books, most recently in Hebrew and soon in English, very, very important work on halakha and mental health. Groundbreaking work, in fact, a groundbreaking work. And we did a VBM interview with Ravioni where you can learn more about some of the things he's doing over there. Uh, today, we're going to discuss when we don't feel well, we usually go and see the doctor. But do we have to? Can I let my health slip? Is there an obligation to stay healthy? We're going to discuss some of the basic sources behind this question and the meaning behind the technical discussion. So Rav Yoni, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very, very much for having me. And um, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always glad to be uh, lecturing in this, uh, in this forum. So uh, it's really, really great. Um, and I just want to say right off the bat um, about the topic uh, that uh, any relationship between whatever I'll talk about and whatever it is that you think I'm talking about is your responsibility, not mine. So uh, if you think I'm talking about vaccines or any other treatments, you know, et cetera, et cetera, unless, you know, like explicitly stated, assume that you're not, right, that you're not correct. So therefore I'm talking about a topic today, which I know can be sometimes a little bit divisive about the obligation to avail yourself of um, medical attention, uh, but I will talk about it in more general and let's call them halakhic terms. And if afterwards uh, people want and the questions to ask more specific questions, I'm always happy to answer. Um, but uh, like I said, the, the discussion itself will remain uh, academic uh, in nature. So that's just uh, that because I know that, you know, different countries, different places, you know, uh, different people relate to these issues. Uh, very, very, very uh, different. Um, I'm going to share a document with you in a moment, and we're going to read some of the sources in that document. Uh, but basically, uh, the question that we have here is whether a person um, really has a spiritual obligation towards his own health, right? Because I'm not talking right now about an ethical obligation or a personal obligation or a national obligation, right? Those are questions which are definitely uh, significant and important. And I'm sure that each one of you uh, can answer those questions for yourself. But whether you think that, you know, you need to take care of your own health or whether you can just let it slip and do whatever you want. It's your body and your decision, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what I'm looking to explore today is whether from a spiritual perspective, um, we have a um, relationship towards our body that is more than just egotistical. So in other words, obviously we are ourselves and obviously we don't want anyone else to uh, um, control what it is that we do. We wanna make our own decisions. Nevertheless, it may very well be that God has tasked us with a certain kind of responsibility or a certain kind of uh, normative um, uh, commandment that might uh, require us to act in certain ways. And just like 
you know, we believe that according to halacha, according to Jewish law, uh, you know, we can legislate what we eat, uh, what we do on the Sabbath, um, you know, what we wear, uh, how we talk to people even, uh, whether we gossip or whether we, 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 we speak about people in certain ways. So there, there's, the list goes on and on and on. Um, perhaps there's also legislation that doesn't have to do only with bein adam lamakom, between you and God, or bein adam lechaveiro, between you and your friend, but bein adam leatzmo, between a person and himself. That perhaps we do have some sort of obligation towards ourselves to act in a certain way, to behave a certain way, to uphold certain principles. And that's what we're going to explore over here. And what I'm going to do now is share my document and we'll read some of the uh, uh, relevant uh, sources. Okay, so just give me a moment. And there it is. I also have sent uh, these sources to Pam and I'm sure that she's She'll be happy to uh, share them uh, with you. Um, and uh, if, you, uh, if you want the actual source pages. Okay. Perhaps sometimes in the past, uh, things look bigger to me than they do for uh, participants. So let me see if I can just uh, make this a little bit bigger. All right. Let's try that. The Mishnah in uh, Tractate Psachim, <coughs> source one, says, Shisha Dvarim Asach HaMelech, Ganaz Sefer Refuot. So what this source is telling us is that there was a king, Chizkiah, and he did six things. I didn't number, I didn't bring all six things. There were three things over there that the rabbis were happy that he did. And there were three things there that the rabbis were unhappy that he did. One of the things that he did that the rabbis uh, praised him for was that he was gonez sefer refuot. That literally means that he took a book of medicine and he uh, hid it away. He hid it away. Okay, so it seems that there was something praiseworthy about Chizkiyah HaMelech putting away a book of medicines which could have helped people. Now, I think today a lot of people would say, wait a second, why would you hide that knowledge? What's positive about hiding that knowledge? So that's a good question. And let's um, see a little bit about this uh, in, the, in the sources that, uh, that I have brought over here, okay? Um, in source two, which I'm going to currently uh, skip, which is the Jerusalem Talmud. Uh, it describes this Sefer Refuot, this book of medicines, as something which was akin to, more akin to superstition or idol worship, meaning that there were all kinds of symbols or all kinds of, of, of things on, uh, you know, within this book that people would worship or would say the word or the name, and they would think that they would become uh, healed uh, through that. And therefore, um, as a result of that, uh, you know, Chizkiah uh, uh, felt that he should hide the book because those weren't real medicine, right? And they just uh, devolved into idol worship eventually. Okay, the Rambam seems to go in the very same direction. And I'm going to read source three and translate as I go. Okay, so I'm reading in source three the Rambam Maimonides in his explanation on the Mishnah. 
He says the following. Sefer Refuot, this book of medicine, Haya Sefer Shayabo Seder Refuot, Bemashe'en Minadim Litrapot. It was a book where there were uh, things there, right? Certain uh, um, uh, medical procedures that a person should go through. But really, says the Rambam, Ein Min Hadim Litrapot, what made no sense. It wasn't like a, like a, a facts based, evidence based sort of a book. That wasn't what it is. Meaning, he's using here a talisman, right? The word talisman is what he's using. So he says, like the talismans that people use, all these sorts of like a uh, bit of hocus pocus, bit of like all kinds of, uh, of mysticism, you know, says the Rambam. That's what they used to uh, write in these books. Okay? So he says, uh, in the part that I've uh, highlighted over here, Mechabro, the person who wrote this book, Lo Chibro, Ela Alderech Halimud, Betivea Metziut, Lo Kedei Lishtamesh Bemashu, Mimashanich Lalbo. Meaning, when the person wrote this book, he meant to describe the world, reality, right? He described the stars, he described uh, the planets, he described different forces in the world. Uh, the person who wrote the book, the Sefer Refuat did not mean for the book to be used as medicine. It, meant to, it was meant to be used as knowledge. But then what happened? People took that knowledge and turned it into, once again, a sort of a superstition. Says the Rambam, writing the book as knowledge, that's okay. As I will explain, things that Hashem said not to do, Okay, just because you know how to do them doesn't mean you can't know them. For example, other religions. Am I allowed to learn about Islam, about Christianity? The Rambam felt that you could learn about those things. You can't, of course, worship those things as a, a observant Jew, but you are allowed definitely to learn about them, and that's fine. You shouldn't learn to do. We learn from there. You may learn in order to understand, in order to to paskin, to rule, right? To discuss the issue uh, intelligently, but not to do. Once people misunderstood the point of this book and they decided to use it as medication, right? So they used the superstition, uh, the superstitious ideas that they had and the knowledge in this book, you know, as some sort of um, uh, um, uh, treatment, that was where there was uh, a problem, okay? And that's what the Ramam is against. Now I'm skipping to the next paragraph, okay, in the Rambam, because this is the important part. So after the Rambam explains what was wrong, <coughs> excuse me, with the Sefer Refuat, he explains why it was important for him to emphasize this. The reason that I have written at length about this issue is only because of the following. This is a very important part. So the Rambam, I heard an interpretation which uh, shocked me. What was the interpretation? 
the interpretation of this Gemara was that there was a book of fact-based, evidence-based, medical procedures, uh, medications, pills, drugs, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. There were obviously weren't pills back then, like we have today, but drugs, uh, plants, whatever, all kinds of things that were very useful. And Chizkiyah took that book and hid it. And why did he hide it? Because Chizkiyah saw that people started trusting the book rather than trusting in Hashem. And because he saw that instead of trusting in divine uh, assistance, they trusted in the natural resources that the book gave, he didn't want people to lose faith, so he hid the book away. This is the interpretation that the Rambam heard from somebody else. Now the Rambam comments on the interpretation. And he says, Not only is this a terrible interpretation, and one that is completely ridiculous, not only is this opinion ridiculous, but now you're also attributing it to Chizkiah, the king, who was a wise man, and the rabbis admitted that he was right in what he did, saying the rabbis also think this. It would be one thing to say that some people think this, and they're not the, you know, they're not the brightest people. That's one thing. But to attribute this to Chizkiah, that's ridiculous, says the Rambam. According to this logic, a person is hungry and he eats bread. And of course, once he eats the bread, he's no longer hungry. Does that mean that he doesn't believe in Hashem because he avails himself of bread, of things that you know other people have made on his behalf? Says the Rambam, this is this is this is real foolishness. I call these individuals fools. Just as I thank Hashem for the food that He gives me, you know, in order to make sure that I'm no longer hungry, we should also thank Him. So too, we should thank Him for presenting me with a, a, a medicine, uh, some sort of a healing element uh, that I can use whenever I need. Then it concludes the Rambam. I would not have needed to contradict this opinion and not the fact that it was very, very famous. So I sum up what the Rambam says. He says there is an opinion that the problem with Sefer Refuot was that people trusted it rather than trust in Hashem. Says the Rambam, that is patently false. There is no problem in availing yourself of modern medicine. You can do that, and it's not a lack of belief in a Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's not a, it's not a lack of belief in God. It doesn't reflect badly upon you and your spiritual status. In the same way that eating food when you're hungry doesn't reflect badly on your spiritual status. So obviously that's all fine. What is the interpretation? People should not follow you know, uh, um, um, medical advice that isn't, you know, facts-based, that isn't, uh, uh, you know, um, evidence-based, that isn't 
clearly uh, based on the natural sciences, you know, rather than, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, trusting uh, talismans and mysticism and that sort of thing, right? That's obviously incorrect of the Rambam and improper. So that's the interpretation here of the Rambam. I should mention before I conclude this piece that uh, actually there were other, uh, um, you know, Rishonim, meaning those who lived between the uh, uh, 11th century and the uh, 15th century, um, part of them living in the Rambam's time or before the Rambam even, who did definitely uh, interpret that way. <clears throat> meaning it wasn't just, um, you know, simple people, but certainly also scholarly individuals who felt that way. Um, Rashi's in source four um, seems to be an example of that. And also in source five, the Riyaz. Um, so definitely uh, there are those who believed uh, that there was something to that. But of course, what you ultimately find is that it's a, it's a balance. That obviously even those we shown, even those individuals, they didn't really mean that Sefer Wafot was a problem in terms of having available the best medical knowledge um, uh, that you could have but rather that it, you need to strike somewhat of a balance. So let me just read one last source in order to uh, um, kind of like uh, see that, okay? Is the Rambam arguing against Hizkiah? No, the, Ra no, so the Rambam is not, not arguing against Hizkiah. He's inter interpreting that Hizkiah's Sefer Refuat was not a book of uh, you know, natural Refuat, but rather it was a book that was used in order to justify mysticism and other non-natural remedies. Uh -huh. so, well, so it sounds like then he's, he's critical of the book. Chizkiah was critical of the book and therefore he was gone as the book, right? He, he, uh, he put the book away, he hid the book away. And Chachamim Hodula, according to the Gemara, Chachamim agreed with him. The Rambam is explaining why he hid it and why the rabbis agreed. The information in the book, says the Rambam, was totally legitimate information, which is why it existed in the first place. But then it was used by people to justify mystical and, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, superstitious ways of healing themselves, which were definitely uh, improper and illegitimate, according to the Rambam. Uh -huh. All right, thank you. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, a summary of this uh, uh, kind of like balanced view I think definitely appears here in Reino Bechaye, source seven, in Shara Bitachon, where, and I will read and translate, where he says the following. So we will say also, sorry, Reino Bechaye, I just say, lived in the 12th century, a very important scholar in that time. We should say regarding health and sickness. A person should trust in Hashem, but also to do his own meaning to try, of course, to avail himself of whatever methods are out there in order to keep himself healthy. In the ways that nature allows. And to push away sickness in whatever way it can be pushed away. As the Pasuk tells us, meaning 
that uh, one should, this is a pasuk that relates to damages and talks about the fact that a person should contribute towards, if someone caused damage to someone else, they should contribute towards their medical bills. Meaning, without talking about the reason for sickness or health, which of course is from Hashem, meaning when he trusts Hashem, then of course Hashem could always heal him uh, with a reason, without a reason, meaning with a, a, a natural uh, or evidence-based um, means or without, meaning Hashem could always use either way, right? But nevertheless, a person needs to do his own tishtadlut. So what we see over here, once again, is that there's a balance. On the one hand, obviously, a person should avail himself of whatever uh, is out there in terms of our human needs. But at all times, we should remember that A, all that stuff, all those things come from Hashem. And number two, that Hashem also has ways that he, a person can never know, right? We, we, all, know, we all know stories uh, of uh, people who do not go through the classic Western medicine route and uh, found healing in other ways. So, you know, once again, we have to avail ourselves of what's out there. It does not mean that Hashem doesn't have ways of sometimes offering healing for us uh, um, that is unconventional and unexpected. And those things definitely sometimes occur. So I sum up this half of the shear by uh, saying the following. We see that uh, there is no lack of trust in Hashem by availing ourselves of modern medicine. However, that does not answer the question that we started asking, which is, okay, so there's no lack of bitachon, there's no lack of trust. It doesn't show a negative spiritual status if a person does that, but does it, does it mean that there is an obligation? So here we come to the second half of our shear, and let's look at source eight over here. The Gemara Bavakama says, Now, I already mentioned before that this uh, excerpt is from a pasuk, from a verse in the Torah. It discusses damages, meaning that a person who harms somebody else needs to offer uh, recompense uh, for that. And the compensation uh, should involve also medical bills. Okay? So the Gemara learns something quite interesting over here. Learns, from here we learn that there's reshut, that the doctor is allowed to heal. It's a very funny way of saying things. Why would the doctor not have, why would he not have uh, an allowance to heal others? Why do we need to learn specifically the doctor is able to do so? So look at Rashi over here, which is on the same line. I'm going to highlight it. Rashi says, the doctors are allowed to heal. And we do not say, First of all, we don't say that, oh, Hashem, Rahmana, he's the one who caused the damage. And we come and we're acting against Hashem's will. So once again, this is a spiritual point. Can the doctor heal what Hashem has caused? If Hashem has caused the damage, is the doctor allowed to undo the damage? And the answer is yes, obviously. We don't see it that way. We don't see it as, as the, later on, the Tosfot here writes here, soter uh, gzerat melech, as if you're contradicting what Hashem has decreed uh, to happen to this person. No, 
we do not see it that way. Uh, we definitely believe that it's that it's fine that you're allowed to uh, heal and it's fine. Okay, so that's definitely um, uh, fine. You're not going against it. But there's another very important interpretation over here. I'm skipping uh, sources nine, ten, and eleven. Very interesting to see if some of the uh, different um, uh, opinions that uh, several uh, individuals uh, had over the years. Uh, but there's another very interesting uh, interpretation over here of the Ramban, okay, and Achmanides. And we're going to see this interpretation. You should know that it's quite unique and hotly debated. I will say that before I read it. Quite unique and hotly debated amongst uh, many, many different uh, um, sources, Malachi um, deciders and, and such, where the Ramban here in Achmanides says the following. The rule is, I'm reading from the first paragraph from source 12. <laughs> which is absolutely <clears throat> revolutionary. To give context, the Ramban is talking here on Parashat Bechukotai. Parashat Bechukotai has within it what's called a bracha and a klala, curse and a blessing. And the blessing that is mentioned over there is if, if, if the people of Israel do the right thing, then they are blessed. And the Hamanides explains that how are they blessed? They are blessed in the way that lo inyanam that they won't have to do things in a natural manner. And they will not need doctors. If we serve Hashem properly, we will not need doctors. And the Rabban continues to say, that's how it was during prophecy. And then he goes on to say something quite revolutionary. What what role do doctors have in a, in a pious person's home? They have no role. They should not be there. Because when a person serves Hashem, Hashem will heal him. That's what, that's what a person should believe. Yeah, as he puts it over here later on. The reason that people need medicine is because they go to doctors. If they would trust Hashem, Hashem would take care of them. But because the minag is to go to a doctor, therefore, we also need the doctor's help. And he goes on to say, If people did not uh, go and use uh, human beings, doctors, then if a person sinned, he would get sick. And when he did, and when Hashem wanted to, he would heal him. But people have decided to avail themselves of human beings and human med medicine, and therefore, they also are given to that. And now comes the interpretation, which is important. And with this, we'll end the Ramban. This is the meaning of the statement that we saw before. The doctor has the Reshut, 
the permission to heal. Lo amru There was no permission given to the sick person to be healed. So what is the Ramban saying over here? He's saying a very interesting interpretation. He's saying, why does the doctor need permission? So we saw before Rashi and Tos, but they said, doctor needs permission because it seems like he's going against Hashem's will. The Nachmanides explains differently. He says the doctor needs permission because the sick person has no permission. The person who is sick, who is ill, has no permission to go to the doctor. He, if he really wants to do what Hashem wants him to do, will trust God completely. And then God will also heal him if need be. But once the person has decided to go to the doctor, the doctor has the permission to heal him. Even though that person is not doing what he should be doing, the doctor has the permission to heal that individual. That is what uh, line means over there. So once again, I know that this interpretation must come as a shock. Uh, and it's certainly shocking to many, many of the posts that came afterwards. Uh, you know, bringing the Vilna Gaon, who actually seems to go in that of, uh, you know, of Nachmanides, um, uh, of the Ramban. Um, and there are some other very interesting uh, sources over here, for example, source 15, uh, who is the Avnei Nezer. The Avnei Nezer was Avi Abraham of Sochachov lived in the 19th century. And he actually brings here a responsa, not of his own, but of his father. His father was a Rabbi Ze'ev of Biala. His father basically ruled an actual uh, 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 ruling that if a person decides that they want to follow Nachmanides, they want to follow their own they're allowed to. You should know, I've never seen a ruling like this anywhere else. It was, it's actually a very unique ruling. I think it's one of a kind. Meaning, let me explain what, why, why it's one of a kind. Nachmanides said his words as, as part of a commentary on the Torah. You don't have to see his words as being some sort of like authoritative on a halachic legal level, necessarily. You could always say that they're not. Um, the Gra, the Gaon of Vilna, which I mentioned before, okay, it's brought in Maserab, which is um, a book that, that details certain customs or sayings of the Vilna God. None of these are phrased as authoritative from a halachic legal perspective. Okay, therefore, easily dismiss them or interpret them in certain ways. For example, Nachmanides' statement uh, could be interpreted as relating to a time future, in the messianic times. And indeed, many interpret it that way because once again, he's commenting on the blessing of the Chukotai. So you can understand, okay, that's that's not now. That's not in this day and age. That's later on when Am Yisrael is living some sort of like messianic, uh, uh, very, very um, pious life. It's not relevant for our reality. You can always say that. The thing that's special about Source 15, which I, I'm not going to read through right now because it's quite long and, and a little bit arduous to go through, um, that this is an actual halachic responsum that is given to a person that basically says, if you do not want to have a doctor look at you, if you do not want to uh, uh, take modern medicine and use it to heal yourself, 
You don't have to. You don't have to. You can trust God that God will heal you, and that will be fine. You can do that. It's totally legitimate, according to this interpretation of uh, of the Ramban and the Vilnagon. Once again, this is the truth of the Avdinet brings that to its full completion. Uh, that sort of line of thinking, but that is very unique, very very unique. Okay, to be clear. So I'm going to just pause here because I think uh, Dove wants to say something. So it mean he means to heal you or not to heal you or just to heal you? Right. No, both. Both. <laughs> the person wants to put himself. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. But uh, absolutely, if a person wants to put himself in God's hands, in a sense, and Ezra, in the name of his father, says, you can. Absolutely. You can go right ahead. You can put yourself in God's hands. You're allowed to. And you're, you know, you can, it's not what most people are doing, but he's, you have the reshoot, you have the ability to do that. And if God doesn't heal you, doesn't heal you, you know, and that's that. You don't have to vaccinate, according to Daphne uh, Nezer's Rambam. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, people are uh, offer their, their specific interpretations of our current situation. If you want, we can, I'm happy to, to talk about that a little bit in the question section. If you want to raise that again, uh, but let's let's. I'm going to stick to the sources for now. And afterwards, we can talk about clarification. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, but this is a very unique. Like I said, it is a very unique response. Um, I don't know any other response of its kind uh, that really takes that to its logical conclusion and actually tells an actual person and says, you do not have to avail yourself and you can let yourself die, you know, or, or something along those lines, but you can trust God. With all that said, okay, I've offered you until now two interpretations, we must understand there is a third one, okay? And what's surprising is that this third interpretation of comes from the Ramban himself, Maimonides, who in his um, who in his uh, commentary on the Torah seems to say you can trust God, uh, says in Source 16 something a little differently. And this is the following. I'm reading Source 16. What it seems is, what we say, that's a different interpretation completely. What is he saying over here? He's saying, and this is certainly true for medicine back in the day, but I'm sure true also today, is that a doctor may very well say to himself, do I be, you know, like trying to heal people? I could cause more damage than good. Unfortunately, we all know that there are cases like that, right? Even today with modern medicine, and even in the best of uh, situations, sometimes doctors can make mistakes and do more damage than good. And people will tell many tremendous uh, you know, about this doctor and that doctor and what they did, you know, I'm sure we've all heard our share. So it's definitely a worry. And and uh, in the same way that people sometimes ask me as a rabbi, right, like, aren't you sometimes a little bit worried? Or do, how do you have the guts to tackle this issue and that issue? I'm sure that doctors feel a similar trepidation sometimes, you know, and say to themselves, well, you know, like, uh, is it really, is it really my place, right, to be tampering, so to speak, with people's health. Uh, what happens if someone dies because of me? What happens if I make someone's life worse? 
So therefore, the Torah says, Nikna reshut la Nevertheless, there is permission given to doctors, yes, to, to tamper, meaning yes, to try and heal people, despite the fact that there is a chashash shgaga, that there is a worry that they might make a, might make a mistake. So here, it's, it's in a sense a little bit even the opposite of the previous um, uh, interpretation. Why? Because the previous interpretation said that uh, you know doctors, uh, the sick shouldn't even be going to doctors. If they went to a doctor, uh, we'll let him. You know, and this interpretation says doctor how to, though we're worried that he might even do harm, right? And even though he might do harm, we allow we allow him to go ahead and to uh, uh, do whatever he can for this individual. So that's quite the statement, um, certainly, and a different spin on things. And we definitely see this same spirit in Maimonides' words, okay? By the way, people know that Maimonides uh, was a doctor. I don't think it's as well known, but also Nachmanides was a doctor. Uh, and therefore, both of these individuals are speaking, not just uh, you know in theory, experience. And the Maimonides here in verse 17 says, he says it's a mitzvah for a person to go to the doctor. That's a nilomar, meaning chiyuv tarofe minatorah lerapot chole Israel. The obligation. Let's see. V'zeh nichlal b'ferush mashamar apasuk v'ashevatolo lerapot et gufo. Meaning it's a mitzvah for the sick person to avail himself of the doctor. And therefore, there's permission for the doctor, says the Rambam. And he learns it actually from a very interesting Pasuk. The Hashivotol is a Pasuk that's mentioned about lost and found objects, actually. So if you need to return a lost person, how much more so would you need to return the health of a person's body to that person, right? When you see that you can heal someone, you can help someone, so of course you must do them, you must heal them. So we see here that obligation to really help a person uh, uh, heal himself. And once again, why is there Rashut? Because it's a mitzvah, says the Rambam. So here we see it very, very clearly stated there's a mitzvah to heal yourself, there's a mitzvah to avail yourself medical attention according to Maimonides. The distance between Maimonides and Nachmanides, in the Torah at least, you know, seems to be uh, uh, quite significant, right? Not Maimonides, not, not Nachmanides in source 16, but the Nachmanides we saw before on Parshat Bechukotai. So let me, uh, I'm going to stop the share for now. Uh, let me go back and summarize everything that we've seen so far, okay? So, we start off with a, with a simple question. Our question was, is there an obligation for a person to avail himself of medical attention? Obviously, we need, we, obviously uh, our autonomy um, is very, very important to us, to every single person, right? To make a decision for himself, what they wanna do, what they don't wanna do. Uh, obviously that you know, is very, very uh, uh, significant and very, very important to us. Um, nevertheless, it seems that 
our obligation towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu and towards ourselves, meaning that we as spiritual individuals, you know, are definitely commanded in a certain direction. So let's spell that out, okay? Let's, let's, I'll ask questions and I'll answer them. Is there a problem with availing yourself, uh, necessarily a, a, a spiritual problem with availing yourself of mitigation? From the Rambam's comments on Sefer Refuot in the Book of Medications, very clearly he says, no, there's no problem with your imuna, with your faith, you know, if you feel that way. Nachmanides, in his interpretation of the Torah, said, not necessarily true. If a person wants to, they have like two, I would say, tracks that they can choose. They can choose the track that believes in God, and then God will take care of them. And they can choose the track that believes in a human doctor, and then the human doctor, of course, should take care of them and to do for them, for them whatever they need to do. Those are two tracks in the sense that a person can choose according to Nachmanides. Once again, I put the caveat, which is very important. Uh, he said that as part of an interpretation on the Torah, not as an authoritative legal code. Uh, and it's important to realize that specific issue. Is it a problem for a doctor to heal the sick? No, it isn't. Everybody agrees with that, by the way. Everybody agrees. There's not one opinion that says otherwise, because the Gemara clearly states it. And so, of course, all doctors, when they heal, when they do their duty, there's absolutely no issue. Even if we'll say that the chole, the sick person, has two tracks, the doctor only has one track. The doctor's only track is to heal the sick. That's the only track there is for him. Once the sick person comes, by him. Is there a mitzvah for a person to come to the doctor? Here the answer seems to be, according to the Rambam, absolutely. That there is a mitzvah. There's a definitely a positive commandment that a person is doing when he avails himself of medical attention, and that um, uh, as a result of that, um, uh, the doctor also can heal him. If I had to, out of all that exposition, if I had to answer the question, is there uh, an obligation for a person to heal himself? I would say yes, but the reason I would say yes. Uh, in such a like a simple manner is because of the two following things. Number one, even the even the Chmanides believes that the answer is yes, except that he believes that a person has two tracks. So even if you're choosing uh, track A, which is to believe in God, which is fine, it does not mean that you don't have to to put an effort towards uh, healing yourself in terms of your good deeds, your actions, etc., etc., etc. Meaning, Nachmanides does believe that a person has control over his faith and can definitely uh, uh, work towards healing himself, even if the healing is supposed to go through a more spiritual track. But nevertheless, Nachmanides believes also in the, in the second track, which I've already mentioned. And besides that second track, there's also the Rambam, of course, says that it's a mitzvah. Beyond all that, uh, I would say once again, and this does not, is not expressed in my source pages, but I can assure you uh, that it's so, that even though I brought that one responsum that you know was unique, I brought it because it's unique. Meaning, if you look at all the great deciders, all the great halachic rulers of the last uh, century, uh, you will see across the board, you know, that uh, they all state that of course a person must tend to their own physical health uh, to the best of their ability, that they must avail themselves of medical treatment, and that if they don't do so, that they are being um, 
uh, lax in their uh, religious commitments. So it is important not to take uh, a unique position and make it mainstream or even make it 50-50. You know, like, oh, well, there's, there's opinions on both sides. You know, th there aren't really opinions on both sides. There is a very clear opinion on one side that is basically backed up by, I would say, 90, 95% of, of uh, halachic uh, positions. And there is, of course, the 5%. I'm not saying that there isn't. I would also, in conclusion, before I open up for questions, uh, just uh, point out, of course, that the opinions that were on the 5% were also written and stated way before medicine uh, became a, as, well, at least more, I would say, um, evidence-based as it is today. And certainly the tools, the abilities that we have today are much more significant. And I think that also, of course, should be factored in when looking at any sort of uh, ramification that is learned uh, out of these sources. That's that, and I think I'll open up for questions. Anyone want to jump in here? I just, uh, I'll ask, uh, I'm sorry, because I'm not, I have to admit, I don't remember what the, what the t title of uh, tonight's shear is, but uh, are we moving from here to an obligation regarding one's mental health? Um, or is that not the issue here? Right, it's, it's not really our stated issue here, but of course I am deeply steeped uh, in this topic, um, as, as some of you know. Um, I would I would say 100% yes. I would, uh, you know, if I had to, 100%, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Okay, we're gonna go to Judy and then to Lauren. So um, there are people who say, uh, Christians in this country, in America, who say, well, I don't think I should take a vaccine because God will do what God's gonna do and God means to save me, et cetera. But I, in the Jewish viewpoint, doesn't Hashem give the doctors the ability to gain knowledge and to heal? And isn't therefore the divine source of everything, the divine source of, of medical wisdom? I absolutely agree with that. And the sources uh, definitely bear that out as well. You know, that uh, there's, that of course, Hashem is the, is the source of that wisdom. And therefore, right, we should be turning to, you know, the best medical professionals that we have, the most, uh, you know, the most knowledgeable people that we have, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I completely agree. Look, I am, I am definitely uh, biased on one side of that, of the vaccination discussion. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, va I'm vaccinated. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I have every, uh, I have every protection imaginable because I also, I also got Corona and I'm vaccinated. So Baruch Hashem, I have everything, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all there. So I, I understand completely where, uh, you know, I, and I'm, you know, I, I'm simple, I'm obviously sympathetic to the view that you should get a vaccine, but nevertheless, um, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the view that, that, you know, that asks for autonomy, but that autonomy uh, cannot come, I think, at the expense of a person's responsibility towards themselves. Now, once again, people who are anti the vaccine, they might say, I am being responsible towards myself because I've looked into this and I trust this doctor and that doctor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at least they're thinking about it. I think that that's, you know, an interesting and legitimate viewpoint to have, but at least they're thinking about what's best for them. Certainly we should not uh, simply say, well, God will do whatever. That, that I think is an incorrect viewpoint from a, both a halachic and a spiritual perspective. To well, say, never mind the community. And uh, I, I didn't even go there. I didn't even, I didn't even talk about that. Yeah. You know, so I didn't even talk about, about that specific issue uh, because uh, of course there's a lot to say there. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, like I said, 
I, I um, obviously I'm on one side of, I'm, I'm personally on one side of this discussion uh, and, that's, and that's that. But like I said, I think it was a difference. I was just trying to highlight the difference between someone who says what you said, which is God will take care of me and I'm good, which I completely disagree with as a Jewish viewpoint. And between saying, you know, I, I do think about my health and I just, I've come to the conclusion that the vaccine is not for me. That's a different viewpoint. We may still disagree with that, but it is a different viewpoint in my eyes from a religious perspective. Awesome. Over to you, Lauren. Yeah, hi. Um, so my question is an obligation to keep others healthy too. In other words, do you have the right to like throw an infected body among a bunch of people to make them sick? Do you have an obligation to make sure that you're not an infected body making other people sick? Right. So um, once again, I, I obviously it's easier for me uh, to answer this question on an academic level. So I'm going to do that first. Okay. Um, on an academic level, obviously not. Obviously that's not not okay. Right. So obviously it's not okay for a person not to take into account the community. It's not okay for a person who is sick to spread that sickness. It's not okay to say, you know, well, I'm just going to, you know, do whatever I do, and if people get sick, it's their problem. Uh, you know, we have definitely a communal responsibility. You know, we have to take into account other people that are around us. You know, and I think that's I I, I think that a lot of people said this. I'm not I'm not saying anything that you haven't heard before, but I think that one of the beautiful things that can at least you know come out of uh, how we've been dealing with COVID is understanding that we're willing to limit our own personal freedoms in order to care for the elderly, you know, the aged, the sick. Uh, those who are more in danger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, I personally, Yoni Rosenzweig, right? Uh, like I said, I had I, I had a Corona. It wasn't so bad for me, you know, and I guess the danger for me was lessened, right? The fact that I'm willing to curtail, uh, you know, where I go, what I do, putting on a mask, all those things, right? Just to save other people or to help other people, I think is a tremendous act of loving kindness of chesed, you know, and I think once again, that Corona does, uh, give us the the uh, like ability to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do other other times, other places. And if we embrace that on a spiritual level, it could be very redeeming and very, very beautiful. Um, but so so on that level, right, uh, I think that obviously, once again, we should obviously not get other people uh, sick and we should care for other people. If we once again, if we start going into very specific into specifics, obviously the discussion becomes more complex and more fraught. And once again, I know that I am on one side of this discussion, but if there were people here on the uh, see this eventually who are, uh, you know, anti the vaccine or, and, you know, they will say that they're not endangering people, that it's the opposite, you know, et cetera. I'm sure you've heard all those things, you know, et cetera. So once again, there's a difference in people who say, I don't care. And someone who says, I do care. I just think you're wrong about the facts. And once again, we could disagree with that person, but I do at least respect the fact that they care about the same principles and the same ideas, uh, how we actualize that is obviously going to be fraught with discussion and controversy. Okay, Ravioni, to go a slightly di a different direction, uh, you know, we recently learned with a uh, scholar of disability rights, uh, who is also a Jewish studies scholar, and one of the things she shared was uh, the offense taken in the disabilities community around a language of healing and a language of cure as opposed to a language of care. And I wonder how um, you would understand this from a halakhic perspective, the notion that 
Um, there mm. are disabilities that we should not uh, propose be healed or cured. Someone who's blind, we might say, oh, God could give you a greater capacity for experience in the world if we cured your sight so you could see, or if you're deaf so you could hear. But they say, no, like that is fundamental to who I am. So do you understand an obligation to heal um, when there are disabilities? I understand completely what you're saying. Um, that's a very, very interesting question. I've never thought about that question. Um, it is very, very interesting. Let me, let me uh, try to attack that a little bit from a different perspective in order to give like another example of, of, what, of that. And maybe we can think together you know, about what the answer would be to that. You know, but I, I actually, uh, in my work on mental health, right, um, I was talking to someone just lately, right, and I told them, you know, that, uh, of course, the, you know, uh, homosexuality is no longer a part of the DSM, part of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, you know, that talks about, um, you know, uh, um, mental disorders. But gender dysphoria still is in there, in the DSM-5, gender dysphoria is still there. So someone asked someone, someone was like shocked. It was like, what? You know, in the, in the 21st century, you know, uh, trans people are still, you know, like uh, categorized. So I told them, you have to think about it differently. I told them, you have to understand it's a double-edged sword because, and this goes to your point, Roshmoli, because if you take gender dysphoria out of the DSM and then someone who's trans wants to get either hormones, you know, hormonal treatment or surgery or whatever it is, you know, et cetera, right? They won't be able to claim that they're, so to speak, I'm putting this in quotation marks, so to speak, sick. In other words, if you want medical treatment and you want it to be subsidized or you want your, um, your insurance provider to cover it, right? It needs to be classified as something, you know, which in a sense is an ailment, in a sense is uh, something which needs to be cured, right, of sorts, right? So without going into the discussion about what trans is and whether, you know, accepting and what et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm not going into that at all, right? I'm explaining something which uh, somewhat of an anomaly, which is interesting to point out, which is that if you want, uh, and this is, goes to your point, if you want care from the medical community, in a sense, we need to be defining you as unwell, right, in some way, because if you are well, if you're totally well, why would we subsidize anything that you're asking for, right? Why would your insurance provider subsidize that thing? Which is why it's easy in a sense for us to take out homosexuality from the DSM. It becomes much more complicated to take out gender dysphoria. The ramifications for the trans community from a financial perspective, from a medical perspective would be significant, right? And that is exactly what you're asking, right? Are we as a society able to talk about care without cure? Are we able to uh, talk about some sort of uh, um, uh, a system where we think about what people need and help them out without defining it as a medical, as an issue, as an illness, as a sickness, as a disorder, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all these words, right? And that, that becomes very complex. Because once you open the door on that, once you say, actually, yes, we can do that, you know, and you, and you can, and that is one way of looking at it. Of course, then everybody wants to come in through that, through that hole. People will say, well, I have an issue that bothers me too. I want the community to subsidize that as well. 
etc 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 and you don't know where it ends right so then that becomes the problem you know of opening up that door so i don't have an answer specifically to your question i think it's very complex and to start talking about care without cure right and once again the ramifications of all that from a communal medical financial perspective is not simple to me at all and really demands some thought. Wonderful. Well, is there any other last questions from anyone? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ravioni, and thank you all so much for joining us. We hope you'll keep learning with us. Thank you. Have a, have a great night in Israel. Great day thank in you. America. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Beit Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybeitmidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybatemadrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.